Today's reading was all about faith and being faithful to the Lord our God. And as much as we love God, as much as we believe, sometimes we still struggle with being faithful to Him. So I have something I want to tell you about today that I think can be a really good resource for you in your faith walk. And it's also a contest. Welcome to Positively Joy, where you'll find God in the everyday, through everyday blessings, everyday happiness, and even everyday sorrow. I'm your host, Yvette Walker. Here we look for God in the commonplace, and we find His joy in the details. Listen at PositivelyJoy.com, where you can get a free teachable on five ways to choose joy, and review us on your favorite podcast app. And now, we welcome Angel McCoy with another episode of Angel Reads the Bible. And following that, I will return with an additional message. What good is it to read the Bible without faith? This week's reading comes from Hebrews chapter 11. I will be reading from the New International Version. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, He condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. 
they only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshiped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who was invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to talk about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah about David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead raised to life again there were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. 
the world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. I have just read Hebrews chapter 11 from the New International Version. I pray that the hearing of this word will increase your faith today. Be blessed. Today's reading was all about faith and being faithful to the Lord our God. And as much as we love God, as much as we believe, sometimes we still struggle with being faithful to Him. So I have something I want to tell you about today that I think can be a really good resource for you in your faith walk. And it's also a contest. So if you haven't already heard my great conversation with the remarkable Mary Jo Pierce, who is a prayer, an intercessor, and an author, and she's a baker, she bakes and she worships in her kitchen. But she is the author of two books, Adventures in Prayer, A 40-Day Journey, and Follow Me, An Unending Conversation with Jesus. They're published by Gateway Church, where she is on the staff. And Gateway generously sent me a copy of both books. In fact, they sent me a copy of An Unending Conversation with, Je with Jesus. And I have two copies of Adventures in Prayer. So I'm going to give out three books to anyone who registers for this contest on my website, PositivelyJoy.com. And um, I will pull uh, three winners at random. And I will send them to you as long as you are in the continental U.S. Unfortunately, I'm not able to send these resources to people outside the country. And I know that there are many of you who do listen. And I apologize for that. But this is just for uh, people in the continental U.S., but both these books are available on Amazon and at her website, MaryJoPierce.com. And Pierce is P-I-E-R-C-E. The reason I love these books, uh, Adventures in Prayer made a really big difference in my life. I read it this year, earlier this year, or maybe the end of last year. And it is a 40-day devotional that she's written and it's so wonderful because it's all about her experiences. And so there's her experience. And then she breaks it down and applies scripture. And then in addition to that, she talks about a message. She gives a message to you, God's message to you, which is scripture. And then your message to God. And that's what she suggests that you pray about. And sometimes there's something to do. This is really this has really helped me because it taught me so much about how she has applied prayer in her life. Uh, she definitely is someone I would call a prayer warrior, and she has faith. She has the faith of I know they said the faith of a mustard seed, but her faith is really really powerful. And so she talks about ways to pray, and she talks about how to get into the position of prayer, and she talks about places in your home 
to make inviting to prayer and to invite God into your prayer life. All that is really, really good, has helped me a lot, and um, I think will be helpful to you. And I want to read just a piece from Adventures in Prayer, and then I'll go on and talk about Follow Me. So this is from the middle of the book, day 17, and it's in a chapter called Hindsight, and it's just one of the many times Mary Jo talks to God, and she, she has to apply her faith. Because even a believer like Mary Jo still has to have faith. For those two years, I kept asking God if I could attend the classes and conferences at the World Prayer Center. And God said no. I was in the wilderness. I kept asking the Lord, is this a wilderness I chose or one you called me to experience? God's response both. I felt as though he had grounded me. However, I look back at those two years as being some of my richest times with God. I learned the spiritual disciplines of prayer, fasting, journaling, meditation, Bible reading, and study. God gave me a time to refine and define my relationship with him. It was both a wilderness and a treasure. That's from day 17 of the book, Adventures in Prayer. I love how she says, refine and define. Even though when she felt like she was in the wilderness and she felt like while, while God was speaking to her, he wasn't giving her the answer that she, that she felt like she wanted or needed. But what he was giving her was that refining and defining um, her time with him and all the tools that you need to fully be able to have a deeper and richer relationship with God. And as she said, it was all those times where she prayed and fasted and journaled and, med and meditated and all those things. And she thought she was doing that in place of going to the World Prayer Center. But really, that was to prepare her for something that God had in store for her. So it wasn't like she was doing that because she couldn't do the other. Um, God said, no, you can't, you can't go there, so you have to do that. It wasn't really that, but it was, it was the fact that he knew what she needed. And while going to the World Prayer Center probably would have been fine, he wanted her to refine and define her relationship with him before she did any of that. And she is so insightful, uh, learning what she has experienced and how she can apply that to her life. And I think when you read this book, you'll show how you can apply it to your life as well. The second book, Follow Me, came after she said, and she even mentioned this in, in the podcast, and again, if you didn't hear it, go to PositivelyJoy.com and check out that uh, recording. That was the very first episode of season two. I really wanted to kick off season two with Mary Jo because um, she's so awesome. I just love her. But she talked about Follow Me, and she thought, well, she asked the Lord, I don't have anything planned for the holidays what do you want me to do? And I think she thought that it was going to be, well, you know, I want you to maybe do some scripture writing or just spend some time with me or whatever. But this turned into a book. 
And it's basically taking a look at the book of John, at the gospel of John, and going through every chapter and every verse and talking about uh, what that means to follow Jesus. And as always, you know, her books are just so wonderful. But um, let me read you just a small excerpt from Follow Me. Her chapters follow the chapters of John. And I think when most of us think about the Gospel of John, we think about John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And of course, that is wonderful. But chapter 3 begins with an exploration of Nicodemus. And um, as she says, if there was ever a chapter to camp out in, this is it. Here is Nicodemus, who by his beliefs is already born again, a term very familiar to him. According to Pharisaic Judaism, there were multiple ways to be born again, including bar mitzvah, marriage, rabbinic ordination, and becoming the head of a rabbinical school. Nicodemus had done all four. In the context of his traditional beliefs, his question to Jesus makes perfect sense. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus says, I tell you the truth. If someone does not experience water and spirit birth, there's no chance he will make it into God's kingdom. Isn't that just like Jesus to speak to the core, to the truth of what we thought we were asking? We all have our own stories, each of us drawn by the Spirit in a unique way to the same place of understanding. God loves me. The Father sent Jesus to earth to save me from sin and to restore my relationship with him. Now we are united in heart and we will spend eternity together. What a time to pause and ponder and reflect. Or what a time to respond to the Holy Spirit. God, I know I have not lived my life for you. You know I sin and my sin separates me from you. I believe Jesus is God and came to earth for me. I ask you to forgive me and all my sins. Help me begin to live as a follower of my Lord and Savior Jesus. Thank you for the promise of the Holy Spirit who will lead me, teach me, and counsel me as I follow you. From now until eternity, amen. Mary Jo goes through each chapter of John, exploring the chapter and discerning what impact the chapter has on our life. And so Follow Me, an Unending Conversation with Jesus, is a great resource um, for those people who even have been believers and even have read John before, but maybe needs to take a new eye to this. I highly recommend it. And it's one of the books we'll be giving away. So um, go to PositivelyJoy.com. You will see on the homepage um, information about how to register. And um, I encourage you to do so. Registration will start today. And um, I will give you a week and I will tell you the winner next Monday. 
Speaking of books, I had a great conversation with Sharon Jenkins, who is the literary midwife, and she will help you birth a book if you have a book inside you. And I wanted to tell you a little bit about this today, and I'm actually going to have a, a little bit of my interview with her today. And I usually don't do interviews on Monday, but it's important because the registration for her workshop ends on Wednesday. And this is an opportunity for you to um, go to a workshop. It's, it's, on, it's a virtual workshop, of course, um, called Write Your Book in 90 Days. The website is www.writeyourbookin90days.info. And um, she says that you will leave uh, empowered to get this book done in 2021. So if you're making your New Year's resolutions early and you're considering writing a book as one of your 2021 declarations, you'll want to attend this day-long writer's retreat. Let's hear a little bit from Sharon, her faith walk, and then what she hopes to do with this conference. This is Sharon Jenkins, the literary midwife. I love that title. And I want to have you talk to us today about something that I think a lot of people maybe don't even think about. And that's the fact that maybe you have a book inside you, a book inside you that, that God wants you to come, that God wants to come out, you know, and, and how do you go about doing that? And so I want to talk about that today. And there is a, uh, an event uh, in mid-October that is a, a virtual event on how to get your book done in 90 days, which I think is super exciting. Um, so I want to talk all about that, but I also want to get to know you a little bit better. So oh, absolutely. Um, so Sharon, tell us a little bit about yourself um, your and your faith walk. Um, how have you, you know, gotten to where you are today? Well, I started this journey over 32 years. Actually, October is my born again birthday month. Wow. Congratulations. Yes. <laughs> so it is 32. It has been 32 years. And if anybody was lost, I was definitely lost. I mean, uh, came from a dysfunctional family. Uh, fear had me in its grips at an early age and continued to taunt me as an adult. And I mean, there were tons of things. I was a shipwreck happening, not waiting to happen, but happening on a, on a consistent basis. And um, one day I just had this experience and I just said, I can't do life anymore. I just can't do it. And um, I heard the still small voice inside of me say, I want you. And when I heard that still small voice, I was, you know, in the midst of my pit of dis despair, depression, my res immediate response was, do you know what you're getting? Now, I'm going to ask God, the God of the maker of the universe, mm -hmm. if he knows what he's getting in me. So, you know, uh, and his response was, give me three years, three years. And if your life isn't the same, then you can go back to doing what it was that you were doing. And so here we are at year 32, and I'm more in love with Jesus than I've ever been in my entire life. And I cannot say that it's all been a bed and roses, bed of roses, uh, because 
life isn't a bed of roses. Life is full of trials and tribulations. Yes, there's also mercy and grace there. There's also the love of God. If you really want to learn how to love yourself and love your neighbor, fall in love with God. And I am just so, how can I say it? I am so full with the opportunity that he has given me to really be loved by him. It means the world to me that he would reach out and grab this little lost sheep, the, the, the one that ran away from the 99 and bring her back into the fold. It's, it's amazing what God has done in my life. Mm, that's beautiful. And a lot of people uh, sometimes just don't understand you know, you've known God, you, you, you know, maybe even been a believer, but you've known about him all this time, but how can you be more in love with him now? And I've experienced that too. I mean, I've, I've known, I've known God forever, um, baptized as a baby, but these last few years are, as I like to say, deeper and richer than ever. And so, um, that is possible. So I totally understand what you're saying. So I've written for a long time, but I know so many people, you talk about fear. I know so many people that talk about when, they, when you talk about writing, it paralyzes them. Um, they just, you know, they, they, they just don't know what to do or how to express themselves when you have to put pen to paper. Um, but I think God has given us all gifts, varying gifts, of course, but we have it in us. So uh, when someone, when you're talking to someone about, hey, I think you have a book in you or or have you ever thought about writing a book? And they say, oh, no, I'm, I can't write. I can't write. What do you say to them? Well, there are, I have a list of seven things that authors say. Those fears that hold them captive to the lie of the enemy. And one of them is, who would read what I write? Or I can't write. That's another one of them. So... What I say to them is, did you check with your heavenly father? Because Moses, he wasn't equipped to do, or he felt like he wasn't equipped to do what God had called him to do and even asked for help. And God gave it to him. But in all actuality, he really didn't need it because he was raised amongst royalty. So he knew how to posture himself as a leader. And then he was, he did love God because, you know, God doesn't just show up if you all don't have some kind of relationship. You know what I mean? Unless you're on the brink of a hill and you're about to go bye-bye and never come back. And he's, you know, making a last attempt to pull you back in to his loving arms. So that's what I would say to them. Check, check with your father and see what he says to you about your purpose and your call. One of the things that um, a lot of authors, when they come to me, they are full of that romanticism of being an author and the status, you know, it brings to you. And, you know, they're wrapped up in the prestige that comes along with being an author but when you go back and you look at the Old Testament and the New Testament, scribes held prestigious positions, but it is a serious ministry call. So if God has called you to write, whether it's one book 
or whether it's a hundred books or a thousand books or a million books, whatever he's called you to do, it's as serious as being a pastor, as being an evangelist, as being a prophet, as being an apostle. So, you know, whether you want to write a fiction book or a nonfiction book or whatever it is that you feel that you're called to do, know that there is also a very serious Christian obligation as a literary evangelist. When God has vested in you something, when he has given you that anointing to pick up your pen and to change lives, renew minds, soften hearts, and bring dead people back to life, when he has done that in your pen, then you are obligated to serve him. And love dictates that you do so. And God didn't stop anointing scribes and writers to write his word. We're still here. Wow. Do you believe that you need to have some kind of following to to write that book? Do you need to be a blogger? Do you need to have a social media presence to be a successful author? So on a, on a, when I look at uh, the office that I've worked with over the years, one of the major problems that they have is marketing. And part of that is because they don't count that book experience as a business. Mm-hmm. They don't see themselves as an authorpreneur. And when they don't see themselves as an authorpreneur, they don't know that before you even pick up the pen, you've got to sit down and come up with a master plan of what you're going to do with this book. And it's so very easy. I've had the experience where I was lost in that romanticism of being a writer and people taking notice when I said I was an author and all that wonderful kind of stuff. But that wasn't real. What's real is how am I going to market my book? And Mm -hmm. so when you sit down and you put your marketing plan together, it escalates your success by leaps and bounds. And part of that research that you need to do is you need to go and watch successful people in your genre. Social media makes it um, a huge possibility that you'll be able to reach out and touch key people in your genre. So if you're writing Christian fiction, find out who's writing Christian fiction and who's doing it well and how are they performing in the marketplace. And then you make that connection on Twitter. You make that connection on LinkedIn. You make that connection on Facebook or Instagram or Pinterest. And you start following them because You know, a lot of times we think we have to be in the classroom to get taught a lesson. But sometimes just observing a role model, someone who has accomplished what it is that you want to accomplish, sometimes observing them and um, getting to know them will help you master um, and also progress uh, by leaps and bounds quicker and faster and better than any other uh, tool or instrument you may use. Mm. 
Now you mentioned that some authors, some new authors come to you and it's, you know, they're thinking more about the fun of it or the prestige. Um, so I'm in the podcasting world and many of us struggle with the fact that we are doing this for God and we don't want to get caught up in the headiness of, you know, what are my numbers? How many people are listening? You know, I don't want to get caught up with the fact that I'm, you know, getting famous or I'm not famous enough. Why not? Where, you know, we, we don't want to worry about that. We want to know that what we're doing is getting his message out there. And I imagine it could be similar for the author worrying about sales or, or if you are successful, you know, getting, you know, getting maybe a little bit too concerned or maybe thinking that's more important than the reason why you did it in the first place. What do you think about that? Well, I think it's like anything else in our lives. I don't care if you're a bricklayer. I don't care if you're a welder. I don't care if you're a professor professor at a university, whether it's a Christian university or a secular university. The Bible says to seek ye first the kingdom of God. So when you seek ye first the kingdom of God, that means that everything that you do is circled around that God center. Interesting. Okay. Let's talk about the event. So it's October 14th and 15th. And I know that you can register up till this Wednesday. So there is a bit of a deadline coming up. Um, It, yeah, it is uh, write your book in 90 days, get your book done by January, 2021. Um, This is, this is actually an online seminar on, on site seminar, but we can come to it virtually. Tell us a little bit about what we can experience in this event. Well, it's a day intensive, a day long intensive. So what we're doing is exposing you to the elements of the book writing publishing process. And we're sharing with you the breadcrumbs that will lead you to a finished product and a finished product with excellence. And there's more than one voice. There's almost 10 or 12 different people who will be contributing to your success. So, I know that during this pandemic, there are a lot of people who are, you know, they're around the house. They are around the house. They may do their nine to five, but they do it in front of their computer now. Okay. And then God has been tugging on their hearts to write a book and they just come up with 90 million reasons. You know, even people have found a way to be busy event. In the midst of a pandemic, I'm like, oh, I know. What is, what is going on? Are we so in love with running 100 miles per hour? But that's another that's another discussion. You but, are speaking. You are speaking to me. <laughs> but, but the reality of the entire situation is, if God is calling you, when you look, I wrote a book called The Nehemiah Principle, a call, a literary call to evangelists to evangelize the world. And the reason why it's so very important is because of the state of our nation, the state of the world. So in the book of Nehemiah, he was called from a foreign land back to his homeland, a place that he had never been before, but he had, he loved his God and he loved his brethren enough to seek a solution for God. Even from the very beginning, he fell on his face. 
And he repented not just for himself, his family, but for our entire nation. And because of his faithfulness, this man in a foreign land serving a foreign uh, a king, a foreign king, he found favor with that king and the king gave him everything he needed. And he made that journey to help his brethren. And the only way they could win, the only way that they could get this wall done is if they prayed, if they worked, and if they fought. Because their enemies kept showing up with creative ways of tearing down, trying to pull them off of what God had assigned them to do. So that's why it's important for us to get a keen understanding of what God would have us to do for such a time as this, simply because we hold the key inside of us, not just speaking evangelists, not just preachers and teachers, and God bless, I know some great preachers and teachers and evangelists, and I celebrate them. But sometimes we forget the importance of the written word. Yes. And when you write for the Lord, be it fiction or nonfiction, when you write for the Lord, it brings healing to the very soul and spirit, man. And so that's why it's so very important that if you have been called by God to write a book, that you do it and you do it now. There is a sense of urgency in the land. There's a sense of urgency because people are dying, not just in the natural, but in the supernatural. And whereas they can't get inside of their church, they can pick up a book that speaks to the very things that are, are I call them the ites in the land, those very things that are causing them discomfort and disease and causing them depression, those D words. So that's 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 why I decided to do this conference. And they can also find out more information about you at that website. Isn't that right, Sharon? Right. Or they can go to MacMCWritingServices.com and find out more information about me or just Google. <laughs> Google Trust me. Google. <laughs> yeah, Sharon C. Jenkins. Google, Google, Google. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Sharon, thanks so much for being on the show today and spending some time with us. I really appreciate it. And thank you for the opportunity. God bless you. Wow, we've had a really big show today. Starting off with Angel Reading from the Bible. Uh, A little bit about our new contest, which you can register at PositivelyJoy.com to win one of three books. Follow Me, and Adventures in Prayer. Three of you will be able to win. I've got two copies of Adventures in Prayer and one copy of Follow Me. I will let you know who won next Monday on the show. So do go to PositivelyJoy.com and register. And then we heard, for you budding writers out there, about an opportunity to attend a writer's conference. And that registration closes this Wednesday. So I wanted to make sure you knew about it. Sharon Jenkins was on our show and she told us all about it and her faith walk. So we had quite a bit going on today, but I hope you enjoyed it. 
Uh, this has been Positively Joy. I'm your host, Yvette Walker. And I really appreciate you guys. Love you and see you next week. Farewell for now.